volunteers don't necessarily have the time, but they have the heart. And I think that really sums up our volunteers. They have the heart to serve. And if you want to see love in action, you know, come to the come to the airport and look for a volunteer wearing a bright yellow shirt and you will see love in action. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach, and I am absolutely beyond thrilled to have the lovely and talented Diana May on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. So before we even get started, go down and hit the like button because you're going to like it. And then I also want you to go ahead and subscribe because here's the deal. Diana May is amazing. I met her when she and I met over at UNC. Charlotte. And so let me tell you a little bit about her. Diana May has more than 20 years of experience working with local nonprofits in various capacities, including fundraiser, grant writer, event planner, administrator, and community relations. She knows it all. And she has been in her current role as the volunteer programs manager at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. CLT. All y'all know that when you book your tickets for eight years. And prior to joining CLT, she served as the special events administrator for the American Heart Association for eight years. So she's got a huge heart. She's a wonderful human. Uh, let's let's learn a little bit about uh, what she knows. Listen to this. Diana earned her bachelor degree of English from Salem College and a nonprofit certificate from Duke University. Go Dukies. And she is one of 50 certified administrators of volunteers in North Carolina. When she's not at the airport running the whole show, Diana enjoys riding her bike, traveling with her husband, and hiking with her dog. Okay, before we go any further, what's your dog's name, Diana? His name is Boo. He's a little tiger spaniel that we rescued about eight years ago, and he's, he's my furry child. Oh my gosh, I love him. His name is Boo, everybody. Don't you love that? That's fantastic. All right, so Diana, I'm so glad you're on the show. And the first thing we do when we have a guest is we ask them to kind of define leadership. What's your definition of leadership? I thought um, really long and hard about this because this is this question can be answered so many different ways. Um, but for me personally, I would define leadership as somebody who he or the act of leading of heeding the call. So whatever that call is, whenever that call comes and for however long it takes. So that could be a life calling, a career calling, like a preacher, for example, or maybe a physician, or it could be a literal emergency call in the middle of the night um, from a family member who could be in a bad situation. So for me, leadership is heeding the call. And um, I think it's also situational. I believe that everybody has um, the capacity to lead. And, and what that looks like um, is different for everybody. Mm, I love but, in, but in general, in sort of my, that's my personal definition, but I generally I subscribe to the servant leadership definition, having worked in nonprofit for the majority of my career and really putting others first and, and causes first. So um, in general, I would say the servant leadership model, but personally it's, it's heeding the call. 
Mm, I love what you're saying, uh, because I do think um, there's a lot wrong in the world. There's a lot of stuff that needs people to step up. And I do think sometimes you get a little voice that says, hey, you know, see that problem right there? That's yours to fix. That's yours to conquer. Um, so, so I'm curious, tell me how you got into nonprofit. I, I do think nonprofit's a calling because it, it they're usually big problems to solve. How did you, how did you get there? Uh, my very, well, actually I, I enjoyed volunteering in college. We had some volunteer service requirements that we had to fulfill. And it was through those service requirements that I um, found that I loved to volunteer. And I volunteer, I extended my my service beyond our 40 required hours. So for me, that was a new passion that I developed at a young age. And I, I happened to have a friend that worked for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation here in Charlotte many years ago. And they were in need of volunteers. And I started volunteering there. And then a position became available. And they liked um, what I did for them as a volunteer, which helped me to get a job there. And I was the administrative assistant. And then I became a coordinator for special events and began my fundraising and development career. And that's how it started. And um, I've been on this great trajectory ever since working with volunteers in many different capacities, whether it's fundraising or special events or managing boards and, and committees. So um my current adventure with volunteers is here at the airport, which is not a nonprofit, but it's a government entity. But our program runs like a nonprofit does. We rely on our volunteers to assist with the customer experience and help passengers with uh, their travels, helping them with wayfinding, um, directional assistance. We They offer restaurant recommendations. So if you want to get, um, you want to try grits and sweet tea for the first time, ask a volunteer, they can direct you where to go. Um, so it's really neat to be in a situation where, where we can help people directly and make um, an instant impact every day on our travelers' journeys. Mm, that's fantastic. And if you're looking at the uh, video, you can see that she's got on a fantastic crown. <laughs> it's a picture of the new, um, I guess, is it like a statue monument? What's the right word for that? It's a monument sign that it's at the front entrance of the airport on Josh Birmingham and Wilkinson. And it came online a couple years ago. It lights up at night. Um, it, it's it's a crown. It represents the airport in our in our great city. And it's a wonderful feature to have at our front door. Mm, that's fantastic. And she looks like a queen. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so don't miss everybody. Uh, so far, she's downloaded the fact that leadership is heeding the call um, and that she believes everybody has the capacity to lead. Um, I think that might be surprising to some people. So what, what? why do you believe everybody on planet Earth has some capacity to lead? Talk a little bit more about that, because I think that gives some listening some hope and might open up the minds of others. I think a lot of us have predefined definitions of what a leader is, you know, how um, that that's the president or that's the, of a company or the country or that's a, per, a person within an MBA or a person with a certain job title. And really, at the end of the day, to me, everybody can lead themselves. 
And if you can lead yourself, then I believe you can lead others. I mean, it starts, leadership starts with you. We think that leaders have to be charismatic and great speakers and great listeners and doers and have the vision and and, and all this. But sometimes for me, it's the ability to take out the trash. So if you're walking along, you're in the office and let's say the trash can's over, you know, is spilling, is overflowing. And if you don't heed that call to empty the trash, how are you going to lead people to empty the trash? I mean, so so that's kind of where that comes from. I mean, I know they're very soft-spoken people who you might think, oh, they're too shy to lead. Quiet, you know, more introverted people. But I consider myself an introverted person, but I have developed lots of extroverted skills. And so I can speak to large groups. I can um, I can make small talk. I can network. I can tell you the funny story and be the life of the party. But for me, like my energy, it comes from being alone and reading a book and just kind of having time for my bucket to fill back up. So when when pe- when I tell people I'm an intro I'm more in- on the introverted side, they're always surprised because that's not who I present to them. But um, I I think there's this misconception that you have to be a type A extroverted person to be a leader and to be an effective leader. When um, a lot of people lead behind the scenes in a in a quieter type of way and using a softer voice, and I think that there's value in that, and we shouldn't diminish it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love what you're saying. And I do think that gives a lot of people who have those introverted tendencies to say, yeah, I can gain these skills. So don't miss what she said. I have extroverted skills. All right. So think about it that way. That is absolutely fantastic. And so she said the the key is to lead yourself well first. And that that's the old thing of um, lead by example, right? Empty the trash and then other yes. people will empty the trash. Yes. So I love that. Okay. All right. So listen to that. She's downloading all this wisdom already. Okay. So I have a little coaching methodology called SHINE, and it stands for self-assessment, habits, integrity, next right steps, and energy. And so she just now was talking about uh, extroverted skills or habits you can put in place, things you can put in place and start to learn. So I love that. All right. So in terms of self-assessment, the S in our shine coaching methodology, if you look back at your tenure at CLT, Charlotte Douglas, what are some some lessons you've learned? I think sometimes your leadership philosophy, um, the way you find your way forward, um, you got to learn from from experiences. And I know you've had some doozies and you've had um, some beautiful things happen to you during your tenure. So share a little bit with us about that. So when it comes to lessons learned, I would say I've learned a lot of lessons working at the airport because it's such a unique environment to go from different nonprofit organizations um, to one of the busiest international airports in the country and in the world. So it was a a big learning curve for me. And the first important lesson I learned, um, I was given some good advice by a, a volunteer. And he knew that when I came on board, I had some really big shoes to fill from my predecessor. And um, he said, learn to bend, which is another way to say, you know, be flexible and adapt. And 
he's, I'd never heard that phrase before. And, and I loved it because I love phrases and quotes and words. And so I wrote it on, I wrote it on my whiteboard and it's still there eight years later. I'll send you a photo of my board. Oh my gosh. Um, I, that. I so want that. Because I, I read it every day and it's just a good reminder that um, I need to, I need to learn to bend, you know, and that's just not, it's not necessarily bending over backwards. It's, it's bending and tilting in all different kinds of uh, directions and angles and degrees. So um, it was really wonderful advice. And um, and then, you know, COVID came and where we all pivoted, you know, and we all had to really flex. Um, but for me, during COVID, it, the term became elastic. Like you had to really become, you couldn't just be flexible anymore. You had to become elastic. Um, and so that was it's a lesson that, you know, I'm still learning and, and putting into practice. Um, and I, and I think the second one is to give people space and grace. Being in an airport environment, you encounter people from all over the world, from all walks of life, and you never know what someone um, is experiencing and what they're going through, right, in, in general, but especially at an airport, because folks are flying usually for business or pleasure. Oftentimes, folks are flying um, to a wedding or a funeral or to make a final visit with a friend or loved one or even heading towards a, to a funeral. And so people's emotional states are, are always can be fragile when they're flying. And then just the stress of travel on top of that can um contribute to a stressful environment for folks. So I think you know, from a traveler's perspective, from a public perspective, giving people space and grace, but also your coworkers and your, your supervisor. I mean, we've all kind of come through this traumatic shared experience um, through the pandemic. And some people have, you know, rebounded pretty well, and some are still, you know, at home because they're still scared. So I, I think you just kind of have to meet people where they are and and think, um, give people the benefit of the doubt. And when you give people some space and some grace, it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's fantastic what she's saying about travel. And I bet you many of you listening in right now travel on the regular or you wouldn't be listening to a business podcast. And I think that that's really huge is that, you know, give people space and grace, uh, which is a, is bigger than just being empathetic. Uh, I think those are two actions of being empathetic, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really beautiful. All right. And I love this. Learn, learn to bend and then, if necessary, become elastic, elastic girl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. I think every, every leader could benefit from that. That's for sure. All right. So you work in a really unique environment, which you've alluded to. Um, I'm curious. I bet you you might know some numbers off the bat or if you could give us your best guess. How many people go in and out of Charlotte Douglas? airport like in a year I mean like what's what's a roundabout number I bet you know yeah so um we are on track to meet or exceed our 2019 numbers which was our busiest travel year in the airport's history yeah. that was in 2019 and we surpassed 50 million passengers so we are on track to uh, meet or exceed that this year and that equates to just over 130,000 passengers flying in and out of our terminal building every day so it's um it's a lot of people 
as it sounds like. Yeah, it's a lot of people. And, um, you know, our building was constructed in the early 80s with two concourses, concourses B and C in our in our atrium food court. And we had no idea that we would be, you know, at 50 million. And we're actually on track to I can't remember the date. I think it's by 2045, be it 100 million. Maybe don't quote me on that. But to give you some context, that's the size, that's the current size of Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport, which is the busiest airport in the world. So CLT's uh, future is looking amazing, which we're really excited about. But, you know, again, being in a building that was built in the 80s, without um, knowing these kinds of numbers would come our way, you know, we have some, we have some constraints and um, it does get crowded during our pushes, our busy times. And um, people do express their concern about that. But we are, um, we're growing, we're adding um, onto our terminal with our terminal lobby expansion. And um, that's going to add I don't know, several hundred thousand more feet to the building and be um, two story and just give us a lot more space, um, which we desperately need. So we're really excited um, where the airport's going and to be able to unveil this new ticket lobby expansion in 2025 to the traveling public. Mm, that's fantastic. And how exciting for you as a leader to be part of all of this expansion and change. It's exciting. And uh, so that means you're going to have to add to your volunteer group to yes. expand two floors and all this extra square footage. That's going to be fantastic. But before we talk about uh, your team, because y'all are not going to believe this, um, here's the inside scoop. Diana has a waiting list for people to be volunteers. Now, for the rest of you who are nonprofit, government, volunteer organizations, you're like, what? Say what? All right. So she has a waiting list. So she's going to talk a little bit about that in a hot second. But before she does that, tell us exactly what your organization does. Why does it exist? And um, how does it help the world? Because it does help the world. All these 50 million people get helped all the time. From a program standpoint, um, our program exists to really enhance the overall customer experience um, at the airport. So our volunteers, um, and I just want to say I manage uh, two different programs at the airport. One is um, our airport volunteers. They're the ones who wear the bright yellow shirts and the red ask me name tags. And they're they're serving in an informational capacity. And then I also manage um along with our coordinator, our canine crew therapy dog program, which is uh, one of 70 therapy dog programs in airports in the U.S. And so we have our handlers who bring their registered therapy dogs to the airport to provide some stress relief and cuddles to travelers. Um, and what is so great about that program is that it's... Um, You'll you'll notice if you're in the atrium, you'll you can you can look across the atrium and you can see you can just see the stress on people's faces. And then as they get start to kind of walk towards the dogs, their faces lighten up and relax a little. And they're like, huh, that's a cute dog. That dog has a pet me vest on it. I wonder if I can pet that dog. And then of course <laughs> they approach us and they're like, can we pet your dog? And then we're like, yes, they're actually, our dogs are volunteers too. And so it, it makes for a neat um, 
conversation, an icebreaker with our, our customers and they love it. And it immediately changes the energy, not only within, but with within the building. And so after an encounter with our canine crew, folks are just so happy and excited and they're in a much better emotional and mental place than they were a few minutes prior. And so that's really, that benefits everybody here at the airport. And it's a really um, great service that we're able to provide. So that's really exciting. And um, that's just two of the programs that that we have. And they've really, um, our volunteers touch people in a way that I think airline employees or um, some of our our retail and uh, food and beverage concessionaires can't. Our folks, I like to describe them as as the heart of the airport. Now, some people may debate that, but um, but they they're really a special group of people. You know, volunteers they don't get paid. They come out here because they they generally have a love to serve others. So they're here. They come out. They they provide general information, which is so useful and helpful. But they're also a shoulder to cry on, right? I mean, they're the empathizers and the sympathizers. They're they're the the listening ear they really care about other people and they there's this great quote I like and it says that volunteers don't necessarily have the time but they have the heart and I think that really sums up our volunteers they have the heart to serve and if you want to see love in action you know come to the come to the airport and look for a volunteer wearing a bright yellow shirt and you will see love in action and I have a couple stories if you if I have time I'd love to share so oh my gosh yes but before you do yes. I want to say you know one of the big concepts that's out there is this idea of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and what just landed for me is how these volunteers are bringing emotional intelligence into the airport, you know, where you could lose your mind, right? Be frustrated, be down the feeling scale. Many of my listeners hear me talk about the feeling scale. It's life and business. It's all about taking people up the feeling scale. And um, just think how much better and safer and pleasant the four hour plane trip to LA is going to be if the guy in front of you who was cranky got to pet the dog, you know? Right. (laughs) absolutely yeah so it helps him get intelligent about his emotions he shifted from sad mad and unglad he got some puppy pets in Mm -hmm. it has same kind of dog he left at the house I mean it's really hugely good for emotional intelligence it is it is and it's really easy you know the airport is a great spot to people watch um but and you can really learn a lot by the, by the people you're watching. And for our volunteers, their interactions are pretty quick with folks, you know, because people are on a tight time schedule, but they're able to quickly read the body language. Um, and that's important. And to to really listen to what people are asking, because sometimes what they're asking for is, is, a, is unsaid. And so our volunteers are really in tune with the, with the emotional side of our travelers, in addition to just sort of, you know, the surface level, they really do go deeper. And so we had a, a volunteer who, uh, I think I shared this story in, in one of our classes, but it's, it's one that always stuck with me. We had a volunteer near our uh, concourses d and There's a, it's a busy connection spot. Uh, in the building. And uh, a gentleman came up to our volunteer and asked for assistance. And he 
um, had some questions about a debit card that he had received. And he very humbly explained to the volunteer that he had just been released from prison after many years and that the he had received a debit card to use during his travels home. And he didn't know what a debit card was because they didn't exist during his his tenure in in the correctional facility. That and don't that. that guy was in jail so long he didn't know what that was. He didn't know. He yeah. he didn't know how to use it. He didn't know how to activate it. All all he had was this envelope with a card and some instructions that were like a foreign language to him. Bless so, you know, he he had to ex- he explained himself to the volunteer. And the volunteer was just so moved by it. You know, she was kind of surprised, but, you know, nothing really surprises you in the airport. (laughs) But um, this was this was a surprise for her. And she was like, of course, let me show you. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you what this card is. Let me tell you how to use it. And walked over to the ATM machine, walked him through the whole process. And he was so grateful. He had tears in his eyes and he's thanking her. And she's like, of course you know, it's my pleasure to help you. And so when I say like, we're the heart um, of the airport, you know, we give dignity to a lot of people who might be in crisis, you know, temporary crisis, travel crisis, whatever that crisis may be. And so I love that story. And there's, um, and then in addition to being the heart of the airport, I, I would definitely say we're the smile of the airport. So oh, that's lovely. So um, one of our volunteers, um, a woman came up to her and was like, and and this volunteer just happens to have a beautiful smile. Um, I mean, it's it's it. She has a beautiful smile. And she saw this woman come up to her who looked really, you know, sad and tired and upset. And she just gave her her best smile and welcomed her to to Charlotte. And the woman was so emotional and broke down. And she's like, can I just thank you? For, for smiling. She said, I have been traveling for 18 hours. I've had my flights delayed and canceled. I've had to sleep, you know, on a concrete floor. I'm exhausted. And I've been traveling for 18 hours. And in that time, you're the first person I've encountered who has offered a smile. And that may not seem like such a huge thing, but for that particular traveler, it was everything. That smile just summed up our volunteers' kindness and compassion. And uh, I just can't reiterate how important it is. You know, you may not be able to give your money or your time or or good advice, but you can always offer someone a smile and it really does make a difference. So those are kind of two stories that I love to to share when I talk about the airport. And, you know, even though we, um, our volunteers have clickers, and so we count how many interactions we have, how many questions we answer, because we want to be able to measure the impact we're having. But those types of stories, it's, you know, it, it's hard to define that impact. So, um, but I share them with you because I think that they really embody what is so great about our volunteers. Yeah. And so don't miss that she said earlier, I'm an introvert, but I have extroverted skills. And look how easy it is to smile. That's an extroverted skill. I love that. Yeah. And I will tell you, I got, you know, I go lots of places that are very busy, lots of different companies and organizations. And, you know, I show up for training and here's this stranger in the hallway, me, and 
it's very rare somebody's like wants to help me or wants to greet me, even though I mean they've never laid eyes on me before. So you know, just this whole idea of being um, welcoming and showing this you know beautiful thing called hospitality, I think yeah. is absolutely huge. Ah, I love your stories. I think they're oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So now tell us about the culture you've created. So, you know, she, she sounds like she's got this, you know, major love thing going on over there, but I want to tell you, Diana May, don't, don't underestimate her. She is savvy with the strategy. So how have you put your organization together so that you've built what I would call a vibrant culture? How have you done that? I have to admit, I I came into this role after it had been in existence for eight years. So I, I'm I'm fortunate that I came into something that um, a well-oiled machine um, with amazing volunteers, you know. But I, I realized very quickly it's you know up to you know it's going to sink or swim, you know, depending on how how I how I steer, and right. so what I have done is create a happy place culture. I don't have a better term for it, but um, we are the positivity. Uh, we we have a rule that we are we're Switzerland. So when you come into our office, <laughs> we don't talk politics, we don't talk religion. We we try to steer away from controversial things. We say leave the drama at home because it will be there after your shift. <laughs> and so our volunteers already come excited and ready to serve. And then they have whatever amazing encounters with folks, whether that's, you know, a neighbor they happen to greet or it's, you know, a celebrity that they get to meet. And so they feel very fulfilled by the time they leave. And as I mentioned, these clickers, you know, they can look at the clicker at the end of their shift and say, oh my gosh, I helped 214 people today. And it's not even lunchtime. Like, of course you're going to leave feeling great, you know? So it's it's kind of this energy that recycles itself and perpetuates. And so when you see those big yellow smiley face icons and emoji, like, that's us. That's our culture. That is what we want. Like we collectively want that in our space. And we work hard to, to make sure that that is, that we're all getting that and contributing to that. So happy place culture. Yeah. And so I love this idea of, I know I'm contributing. And I think a lot of people go to work and they're going through the motions and they're going through the activities and the tasks. uh, And they're curious if anybody's noticing A and B, um, they're not even noticing for themselves. So I love the clicker idea. I'm thinking to myself, everybody should have a clicker. I smiled this time, <laughs> times today. I answered the phone. I did 1,700 emails. Right, right. Hey, yeah, there's something about, you know, that little drip of dopamine that comes out of your hypothalamus gland that, you know, marinates you in good juju, right? Yes. And, uh, and don't miss what she said. I think this is fantastic. Uh, we consider ourselves Switzerland. All right, so like- that's quotable and tweetable. All right. So I love that so much. That's so fantastic. All right. So you've got this amazing solid team of volunteers and I spilled the, I spilled the good secret that you have a waiting list, which again, Mm -hmm. I think everybody's like, I want to hear how that works. Uh, So what strategies have you implemented to create such a solid team of volunteers? How in the world did you do that? Um, Well, I, I, I've really tried to, 
as we talked about, just um, walk the walk and and talk, you know, walk the talk, I, I think is the, is the term. Yep. Um, and to um, model the behavior that I want to see, you know, our, our policies and, and procedures um, and, and the attitudes that we want from our volunteers, I have to emulate, you know, they have to see it from me. And so it's important that I'm putting all that good, positive energy out there, investing that into them um, so that they can receive it, right? They, you can't receive what you're not getting. And so putting it out there. And I have found that that our volunteers... They get it and and they receive it and and they they put it back out there for the customers sevenfold. So um, they say that um, helping others is the secret sauce of life, and I think that's kind of maybe the secret sauce to our program is just everybody wants to help somebody, and our volunteers are on the front lines, and I'm I'm helping the volunteers do what they love to do. And so the volunteers are my internal customers. And um, it's important that I in, in, invest good things into them. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, please don't miss that language she just used, internal customers. So all leaders have internal customers. It's the people that uh, work, volunteer, hang out with them on the day-to-day. So um, we have customer service to our external customers, the 50 million people coming through the door, but then also we serve each other. So it's just, gosh, I'm hearing this servant, servant, servant over and over again, or help, help, help. Um, So the whole philosophy of servant leadership comes from Robert Greenleaf. Uh, I've been sitting here thinking, what is his name? And it just popped in my head. If I ask long enough, it comes to me. Uh, so I would definitely suggest going out and uh, finding one of maybe the original things uh, by Robert Greenleaf on there. Uh, fantastic stuff. Now, one thing I want to uh, mirror back to everybody, Diana, as you said, you cannot re- you cannot receive what you are not getting. So I just, I think that's very, very interesting, right? Like I can't be positive, you know, if I'm getting a bunch of negativity from my leader. Yes, I'd love, um, my grandmother was a wise woman and she had four, she had 14 grandchildren. And when we were young and, and very often when we would see her, she would pull each of, we found this out later in life. She would pull each of us aside and tell us that we that we were her favorite grandchild. <laughs> she, did, she did this to all her grandkids, but we didn't know that, right? Because it was a big secret, right? We didn't want, you know, the other grandkids, our brothers and sisters and cousins to feel excluded. But my, <laughs> but my grandmother had this way of making you feel like you're the most important person in the room and that you were her favorite. And so I try and just treat all the volunteers as if they were my favorite because they are. And, you know, feeling important, feeling valued, feeling heard, um, being seen, those are really important things um, to, to come when you're, when you're a supervisor, when you're a manager, you need to, you, you really need to see people and go beyond just, you know, the job per se. You know, I know all of my volunteers, um, their spouses' names. I know their pets. I know where they're traveling. I really take an invested interest in them. And I know that sometimes that's difficult when you have huge teams and, you know, teams that are scattered across the country or the world. So, you know, but I'm fortunate in that my environment allows me that 
that time um, to invest in those relationships. But at the end of the day, you, you've got to get to know your employees and your coworkers. You've got to break bread with them because that's how you build community. And if the bread is a Krispy Kreme donut and a Starbucks, that's okay, you know, but just really taking time. And you've talked about this in the classes and when it comes to communicating, I mean, it's not, it's, it's beyond sending the email with the information. It's beyond right. the memo. It's, you've got to get to know people. I mean, how else are you going to know what motivates them? How are you, how are you going to know how to approach them when, when there's bad news or changes coming? And so, Really, truly investing in other people's lives, their stories is important. And that is something unique, I think, to volunteerism is um, that we that I've been able to do um, across different organizations is really get to spend time and get to know, get to know people. Yeah. And the, the my favorite thing about the word favorite is the word favor on the front of it, right? Yes, yes. It means like you're you're special. You're yeah. getting the attention you deserve, right? And so I got to know, what was your grandma's name? Well, her real name was Carolyn, but everyone called her Pinky. Oh my God, stop. Why did they call her Pinky? I love it. I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure there are different <laughs> versions of why, but everyone called her Pinky. And um, that was her nickname. And that's friends and family called her Pinky. And um, she was a, a really neat, special lady. Oh my gosh. I, does everybody have a visual? They're probably all different, but like, she's like so cute and darling, right? In your brain. She, okay. is, she was, she was. I love Pinky. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. So um, you talked a little bit about this already, um, but you told me that your, your team is love in action. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 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 the two stories about, you know, the guy with the ATM that's been released from prison, mm-hmm. Um, the smile and all that. But there's one thing to say, I think, and you know what, Diana, I think people are kind of nonchalant or I don't know what the right word is. You can probably fill in the blank, but like they're careless with the word love. Like I love working Mm -hmm. here, but like there's a whole difference when you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm curious about love in action. That's kind of something you shared before with me. Talk about love in action. Here's another story, and, and I'm hoping that the stories will illustrate what I, yeah, I may they, lack in defining. But um, so we had um, one of our volunteers who speaks Spanish. <laughs> she was uh, she was uh, near the sea checkpoint, and a woman comes up to her and asked her if she spoke Spanish. And our volunteers like, "See, sí, hablo español," you know, and started speaking to her. And the woman starts crying. And the volunteer is a little bit like, uh-oh. And the woman explained that she had never been to Charlotte. This is her um, like second trip to the U.S. She didn't speak English. And that before her trip, she this was a very religious woman. She had said a prayer and she had asked God to please send an angel on her journey who could help her because this woman was very, um, very fearful of traveling. She was traveling alone. She's older. She doesn't speak the language. She's not familiar with our facility. And she was very um, concerned about missing her flight and and not having anybody who could see her or help her. And the very first person she sees and speaks with is Sandra, one of our volunteers. And Sandra just took, took, 
took care of her, um, explained where everything was. Here's where the restrooms are if you need them. Here's an ATM. If you're hungry, you know, go over here and I'm going to walk you to your gate so you know exactly where you need to be. And I'm going to speak with the agent and let the agent know that you don't speak Spanish and that you're traveling by yourself and, and just make sure that you don't miss your flights. And now our volunteers, you know, this is pretty typical of what they do during their shift. But for that customer, it was atypical. And she hugged, she gave our volunteer a hug and she thanked her profusely. And she kept calling her my angel, my angel. Mm -hmm. And for her, Sandra was an answered prayer. And, um, I I don't say that flippantly. And I, I mean, it's very, Sandra was like, this woman was convinced I'm her angel. And I was an answer to prayer. And I was like, wow, what a story you get to go home and tell your husband, you know? I mean, you talk about making someone's day. So that's just, just taking the time with people. Again, it's seeing a need. It's heeding the call. It's it's caring for others, and, and helping them get from along their journey, whether that's getting from point A to point B, showing them, um, you know, how to use the, the debit card, helping them get to lost and found to retrieve an item, just being a listening ear. I mean, that these are, this is love in action. And so I know there are many different types of love and there's many definitions of love. And if it's okay, if, if I share a religious story, I don't know if that's okay or not to do oh, that's talking business. Okay. But before you do that though, I don't, I don't want you to miss how that volunteer, how she took care of the, the little lady that speaks Spanish, but like, that's how you, that's how you onboard employees. That's how you develop employees. You know, you show them the way, you you give them the roadmap, you make sure that all of their little needs are met so that they can get where they want to go. A lot of times we get so, I don't know, maybe irritated or lost in our tasks that we don't realize this person I've just hired, they don't know where to go, what to do. And so they can't get off. They can't take flight. They're going to use a flight metaphor again. So they can't take flight unless you do all of these things. You know, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to talk to this other employee. And they're also going to take care of you. Like, get your people a mentor. I mean, I mean, just what a great metaphor. I'm going to totally use this from now on, Diana. You're blowing my mind. Okay, so tell a religious story. It is perfectly well, okay. Well, and and to actually to backtrack on what you said is that one reason why I think our program is successful and our volunteers have success, if, if that's the term we want to use, is because we invest a lot of time into training them and onboarding them. It's a it's about a twenty six hour training program to be an airport volunteer. It's a lot. Okay, do not um, miss that. To be a volunteer is twenty six hours. Keep going. I just didn't want anybody. To yes. Miss it. It is a lot. And because we, there's so much information about the airport and because, and and something I also would like to share with the listeners is that the airport 
serves, it's a landlord. We kind of operate like a mall. So, you know, all of our, um, the airlines, they they lease space from us, as do the restaurants, as do um, the different retail establishments. And so, you know, we're the parking lot, we're the bathrooms, we're the ceiling and the windows, you know. And so a lot of people, when they say that they've had a bad experience flying, you know, they want to complain about the airport, but... But really, they need to be speaking with the airline or the business where they didn't get good service. Or um, So I just kind of want to put a little plug in just to make that distinction that the airport's the building and, you know, everything else um, falls under the airlines or, or restaurants, et cetera. But, um, but yes, we, um, because there is um, so much of that, um, there's a lot for volunteers to know. And we want to set up our volunteers to be successful. So the first time that they don that yellow shirt and hit the floor, they feel confident. They they know the answers to the top 20 questions. They're more likely going to be asked how to who to call and, and how to handle the the emergency situations that they may find themselves in. So we work really hard to prepare our volunteers um, for what they're most likely going to encounter. So I just want to say that because I know not not everyone does. It's like, oh, you want to volunteer? Come in tomorrow. Yeah, do this. And you don't get a lot of guidance. So we we really um, invest, take that time to invest in our volunteers so they know yeah, what they're and, doing. And I think they probably feel that as love in action. Oh, like I, they're really getting me ready. So, I mean, that and that's love, right? It's kind of like sending your 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 child off to kindergarten. I mean, you wouldn't send them off in their PJs with no backpack. Right, right, right. And so it's love in action. Yeah, it is. And so kind of speaking about love and how, you know, there are many definitions. um, You know, there is a a scripture in the Bible um, that's often used in wedding vows, right? It's love is patient, love is kind. Maybe you've heard this or are familiar with it. it. Yes. Um, You know, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it it goes on. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if people applied this? this advice, this definition to not just their romantic relationships, but their work relationships, you know, what would love and action look like in the workplace? I mean, I've kind of described what it looks like from a, a volunteer perspective, but, you know, what if you loved your coworker? And when I say love, I, I don't mean you have to like them. And when I say that, I remember when I was a teenager, um, I would have spats with my friends, you know, and I would come home and I would tell my mom, oh, you know, I don't get, I don't like her anymore. We're not friends anymore. And I don't like her. And my mom would always sort of respond with this. Well, you don't have to like them, but you have to love them. And I'm 13 years old and I have no idea what she means by that. But um, as I grew older, you know, it, it started to make sense. Like, and there are a lot of people I don't like, but I love. If, if that makes any sense. And so, you know, what if we took this definition and, you know, instead of begrudging our coworker for getting a raise, you know, or getting that promotion, what if we cheered them on? You know, what if instead of sabotaging <laughs> someone's project, we help them, you know, find success with it? What if we stopped gossiping, you know, and 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 loved and, and got to know our coworkers? Um, you know, that's that's love in the workplace. And I think it's it 
it's transformative. And if we could somehow get to a mutual definition of love and, and, and exude that in the workplace and extend it um, and live it, I think it would, it could change our world. So that's my little, my little religious story. Yeah. And they all said, amen. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, um, so it, it, you know, there's, and again, in the Bible, there's all different kinds of love too. Yes. Um, one of them is phileo, which is from like Philadelphia, right? The, the, the fill on the front. Right. And, and what that means is brotherly love. Like I, you know, I may not like you, but I inhabit the planet with you. Yeah. And so I wish you well, because all of us are interconnected. Yes. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, the more of that good, and I often use this little funny thing. I say juju. The yeah. Juju. Good juju. You know, more good juju I can put out there. You know, it's it can only help. It can't hurt. That's right. Know? That's right. So I think that's huge. All right. I love that. Okay. Now, when you do this 26 hours of onboarding, what are some habits uh, that you put in place with your volunteer workforce that help them be love in action, that help them put good juju out there? Because sure. I think this is applicable to any work workplace. Sure. Tell what habits you try to get it put instill in them. Um, well, the first one I tell them is to be resourceful. Um, we have a very unique environment. We have a lot of regulatory obligations with Homeland Security, FAA, um, city, state, local mandates and laws. We have CMPD. So we have a lot of different, you know, regulations. And so it's important for our volunteers to be mindful of of all the different expectations and and to be resourceful. So if they don't know something, um, we have these uh, neat little pocket guides um, that gives them kind of a, it's a cheat sheet for things. Um, We also have a a volunteer iPhone, which they can check out during their shift, which has different travel apps, flight apps, uh, the airports app. So they have resources in in their fingertips. They can also call other volunteers or myself on duty. So if you don't know the answer to something, know where to go. I'm always surprised at how everybody, everybody, but the volunteers think I know everything about the airport because I work here. And really, in the grand scheme of things, I know so little because it's such a huge operation. But I know where to go or I know who to ask if I don't know the if I don't know the answer. And so I try and instill that into them. But also, it's really important in our fast-paced environment that they are aware of their physical surroundings as well as their uh, social surroundings. So, like, where is the nearest restroom in case someone (laughs) needs to go? Where are the nearest exits? Where um, is the nearest storm shelter in case there's a tornado and you need to shelter in place? So, being a physically aware of your surroundings is critical um, in helping folks get to uh, point A to point B the fastest and safest way. Also, you know, when it comes to social surroundings, like who's around you? Who can you go to for help? Are you looking people, like when you're people watching, are you just looking at their outfits or um, is somebody acting suspicious? So, Really, those are the three main things that the habits I try and instill is to be resourceful, which you can apply to any aspect of your life, but also be aware of your physical and social surroundings. I think those are really key in an airport environment. Yeah. And and I think key anywhere, right? Yes. Yes. 
And and to be helpful to navigate all that to somebody else is fantastic. All right. And so uh, Diana knows I'm a big fan of this idea of developing character in people. A lot of times organizations are very keen on doing personality assessments. And believe me, I sell them all. And I believe in all that stuff. But really, what creates a vibrant culture is when you have good people. Um, so, so how do you develop character? Now, don't miss this. A lot of her people you know, are, you know, older than 40. I'll just say it that way. And so they've lived life a little bit, um, but still, you know, people need reminders of, you know, this is, this is the kind of character we want to represent to these 50 million people coming through the door. So how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, character traits can be developed. As as I mentioned, I describe myself as an introvert, but I have worked hard to develop a lot of extroverted traits. And so developing the traits, um, you know, that is something that doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's by living life. And it's important that I embody and again, model the behaviors that we're looking for and the expectations. And you said the word that I am always using, remind. And, you know, it's not just a reminder of when your upcoming shift is taking place. It's a reminder that, hey, this this store has closed or this new store has opened. Hey, it's a reminder that it's an election year. And I just want to remind everyone to leave the politics at home because not everybody agrees with you or believes like you do. And so we want to be respectful of others. Um I use politics as an example and that we're Switzerland because, you know, we're all we're all living in this sort of contentious political environment and it's hard not to bring that with you wherever you go. And so I do have to remind volunteers from time to time, hey, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but hey, this is our happy place and it's not going to be happy for much longer if we continue having this conversation. And so reminding those to take the high road, even when they feel like others are taking the low road. And I, 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 this story always um, kind of pops in my head. So we talk about people watching, which is absolutely the best at an airport, right? During election seasons, you get a lot of interesting t-shirts and interesting t-shirt messages. Some that could be offensive to some and funny to others. And I remember we had a volunteer and there was a gentleman approaching her and she he was wearing a t-shirt of a candidate that she did not like. And she was she was offended by the message on the shirt. And she told me, she was like, Diana, I was just telling myself, please don't, please don't ask me a question. Please don't ask me a question. I, I don't know if I can help this man. And I looked at her kind of surprised because um, this is really one of our seasoned um, volunteers who's just really, really great with folks. And I was surprised to hear her tell me that. And I just reminded here, her that you know, we're here to serve everyone, offensive t-shirt or not, you know, and I think that was, that was hard for her to hear that and to get over her own bias, you know, to rec and for me to point it out, you know, but I, I did so in a, in a caring way, but in a way like, hey, like we're here for everybody. We serve everybody in this building. And so, um, that's important to me. And she recognized that like, you're right. Gosh, I need to get, you know, I kind of need to get over myself. And she had no problem helping um, others 
other supporters wearing similar <laughs> t-shirts um, who came after him. So, but it's just having that conversation and recognizing that folks may be different and that's okay. And they're, and, and they're going to be different, but you take the high road, you just take the high road and, and you'll never get lost. Right. Well, you know, here's, so talking about grandmas. So mine was grandma Mert. And what she would say is when you are offended by somebody, first of all, your ego has been triggered. Mm. Right. And then when you, when you stoop to their level, so he's wearing a t-shirt that's not kind and now you don't want to help him. Yeah. How, how, how is that being the person you want him to be right right if he doesn't you know uh experience your kindness and your love and action mm-hmm. then he's you're you know you're at his level right right, right. So, you know and and my grandmother used to say which when I think about it is it's actually not good but she would say you know kill him with kindness the word yes. the kill is in there you know? <laughs> right right kill is right right but, you know, but her point was you know just love him anyway you know love them I mean? anyway you know, exactly. might slay their, their, their bias or their, their, their yeah. non-kindness. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm having such a good time talking to you. We're having a great time. I know, All right. Me too. All right. So, um, what are you planning for 2023? And can you believe we're already like a month and a half or more already in what the heck it's just flying by. So, you know, I think leaders, you know, they're like, okay, is it back to normal? Kind of, sort of, I don't think it'll ever be like it was prior to the pandemic. So like, we got to get over that, but what are you planning for 2023 now that the doors are open? And we're going to hit 1 million in 10 years. So tell me, tell me, what, what are you doing to kind of keep, keep yourself in motion so you can keep up with this pace of growth? Yeah. So 2022 for us was about bringing the program back because we were on hiatus during COVID. And so 2023 really is about growing the program. We did lose some volunteers, not because of COVID, per se, but a lot of volunteers were like, you know what, I've, maybe it's a good time to retire or, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move and I want to be closer to the grandkids. And so, um, so our numbers did drop and I'm just so excited that we're able to start recruiting again. Um, so that's on the agenda for this year, um, more community engagements, um, sharing our program with the larger community. Cause most people in in Charlotte and the surrounding area don't realize that you can volunteer at the airport. So just educating folks about that is really exciting. And uh, when it comes to recruitment, just really trying to have our volunteer program reflect the people we serve. So I've got um, a real conscious effort to recruit uh, multilingual volunteers so that we can service more of our customers. And also just... um, bringing back the in-person events. I think um, we do some really neat continuing education programming. We do behind the scenes tours. Uh, We have uh, special airport speakers come in to speak exclusively with volunteers. And so they get one-on-one time with CLT leadership. Um, And so that's really neat. And to be able to come back in person and offer that type of programming that keeps our volunteers engaged and informed, I think is really going to make this year a very vibrant year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so don't miss, she's got her next right steps laid out. Every leader needs to be doing that. And so that brings us to the E in the Shine Coaching Methodology self-assessment. She talked about some habits that she helps people put in place. We talked about character 
character or integrity. Next right steps where, where I can't believe we're already to E. It's been so much fun talking with you. So how do you keep yourself energized? I, you know, leaders grow weary and really we can't let that show. We got to be so vigilant to keep our energy up so that we can motivate and set the example, like you said at the very beginning. So how do you keep yourself energized other than playing with boo? Um, Well, he definitely keeps me on my toes. Um, I am a very goal-oriented, self-motivated person. I love I love the next challenge. Yeah. Um, And I love uh, stretching myself and seeing what I can accomplish. And so I personally find it easy to stay energized because I have a lot to be energized for. At work, you know, have a love starting new projects and hey, could we try this? And hey, could we offer this? Or how could we do this differently? So that 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 keeps things fresh. Um, and then in my personal life, I have a lot of interest in hobbies. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at prioritizing me um, and making time for me and my interests. And I think that that's really important because I've been able to pursue a lot of personal goals and, and that keeps me, um, energized well. So trying to find a balance of that because, you know, work's going to be there, (laughs) you know, whether you leave at five or you leave at midnight, it's still going to be there. It's going to be there tomorrow. So, so make some time for yourself and to pursue your passions. Yeah. And so what I want to say about what she just said was she said, um, you know, I'm pretty pumped about what I'm doing. There's a good reason for what I'm doing. So that goes back to that calling thing. She said right at the beginning, like there's a very good reason to do this, right? We're helping humans on planet earth. Okay. And that raises the emotional intelligence of everybody makes the world a better place. If you were like, oh my gosh, what's going on in the world? We're not all serving where we're called. So I love what she's saying there. Okay. So, so I know people are like, oh my God, I can't, it's over. What? Ah, that hour flew by. I know. I know. And, and they're like, okay, one more nugget, Diana May, download one more nugget. Do you have one more nugget in your pocket that you would hand to us? Well, I don't, I don't know how life-changing is. It's, it's a pretty simple nugget. Okay. It's snacks. snacks are important, right? We don't want anyone to get hangry. It's important to have snacks. Um, Food, again, food has a way of bringing people together. It just has that magic. And if I could stress anything is, is to feed the people you work with, make it with love or, or buy it from the bakery with love. Um, food goes a long way, um, especially with volunteers. You know, they, they're they not interested in being paid. That's why they volunteer. But we do have to find ways to, quote, repay them. And so we at the airport, we have, um, we offer them complimentary water and snacks once they get on the secure side. And they love it. I mean, we pay them in peanut M&Ms and they're, they're happy as clams. And it's not a huge financial investment, but they feel it makes them feel appreciated. And that works for us in our happy place culture. And so um, snacks, that's my nugget. Oh my gosh. And it's, don't miss, it's a nugget, like a chicken nugget and it's a snack. I'm just yes. saying. Okay. All right. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I now have a huge craving for a peanut 
<laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go to. The, I gotta go up to the store and get some peanut M and M's because I don't keep them at the house because I would eat them. Uh, the whole one pound bag, and you can't buy the one pound bag, people. You have to buy the little teeny one that Diana gives out. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll have a problem. All right, Diana May, it's been so great to have you on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. Now I know you love that, so will you please go down and press the like button and subscribe, um, Diana? If people wanted to get a hold of you or talk to you uh how could they do that i bet you there's some folks that run teams of volunteers they'd like to have you come and like maybe come give an inspirational talk at their organization uh or just have a conversation where you might you know break some bread virtually or live and in person how do we find you sure so um you can, if you're interested in volunteering, um, the easiest way to reach out is uh, through the airport's website. It's cltairport.com. Um, we have a community page where um, the volunteers uh, program uh, and the canine crew are listed, and you can click on the link and shoot us an email. I'm happy to give my information to Nicole, and she can share my phone number and email with those. Um, to those who, who would like to get in touch, I'm happy to come speak about volunteerism, talk about the airport, leadership, whatever you're interested in. I, I love get, I love meeting new people um, and talking about the airport and volunteering. So any combination of that, I welcome. All right. That's fantastic, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer. They call me the Vibrant Coach, and I've had the lovely, talented, and loving servant, Diana May, on the podcast today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.